Welcome to another episode of the Physically Tracked Financially Stacked podcast. Today, very lucky to have my good friend, Dr. Chris Spearman, with us again today. And today, we're going to go through the ins and outs of LinkedIn, why you should be using it, and how you can make bucket loads of money selling a platform that most people never even think about. So thank you very much for your time, Chris. Thanks, bro. Uh, I keep saying this, but I'm not I'm not jacked. So <laughs> I don't know if I can do the podcast, but no, that's great. We, we had a obviously great episode the last few weeks uh, on sales. So this is going to obviously follow on from that. There's going to be a lot of crossover for sure. 100%. Now, we obviously push quite a lot heavily with LinkedIn as well, as that's your main focus with what you do with the clients you work with. Why should people use LinkedIn? Can I start by saying who I don't think should use LinkedIn? Go for it. So if you're unable, for, if you're uncomfortable selling a higher price program or you don't have the skill set to close on a higher price program, then I think it's going to be a challenge. The reason I'll say that is because, as you know, the volume of people that you can that you actually get in a meaningful conversation with is way less. Generally, the the fluidity of conversation is less and the likelihood that people are going to give you their time is less. So if you're not selling a high enough thing that warrants that, it's it's the difference between, you know, spraying a machine gun and, and a sniper rifle. You want to make sure if you're using a sniper rifle that you're taking out a baddie baddie, not just a random. So you want the king of the Taliban, right? Basically, yeah. If you've seen American Sniper, it's one of those. So if you're if you feel an internal resistance around selling a higher price thing, or you do not have the skill set to sell a higher price thing, then then either I would say you need to change that, or you need to ask yourself: Is LinkedIn really for you? Because it is going to be challenging. Um, that ties into what we spoke about before about sales. So. I think this is really relevant is we can talk about our journey into LinkedIn. But as you said on the last podcast, I've identified a skill set of mine. And I was like, okay, how can I best use this skill set in this arena? And the the way that I felt that we were going to be most successful was if our skill set is offer creation and selling then I need to find the area in this pool that my skill set is strongest. And it's not on Facebook, in Facebook groups. It's not in, you know, it's not on Snapchat. It's not on TikTok, although I'm sure there are people that have money on TikTok, obviously. It's, okay, well, where can I be selling a 10K thing? And I remember in 2017, 18, when 2017, I think I, I started taking sales calls for the first time. 2018, I saw my first £10,000 paid in full program. And I'm like, it was mind blowing. And I realized that this guy, we didn't find him on LinkedIn, but that's where he would have been. And then it was a slow transition. And we'll talk about the story. It was a slow transition then to go, where can I just find more of these people? So I had the skill set back then to communicate the value of that. It was then just a case of using a platform that is going to get me in front of more of those people specifically even if it meant getting me on le- in front of less people it was more of those people if that makes sense 100 and it's the not a volume game then right you just want it's quality over quantity and and i would say business done well is simplicity and quality and then scale quantity and the thing we spoke just off air about about 
closing and monitoring sales calls is the, uh, this was a, a conversation we had about a year ago when you were talking about, um, you know, your uh, sales team. And I made a comment that I've used um, quite, a, quite often since then. From a sales team's perspective, the most money is lost getting poor closers on more calls. And it's actually more profitable to remove the worst closers rather than to try and give specifically the best calls to the best closer. Because, okay, you can give the best calls to the best closer and that will help, but it's actually the opportunity cost of getting good leads on calls with poor closers that actually costs you more. So what I try and do, as you can imagine, is get more reps to a smaller number of closers that close at a higher level rather than try and disperse the calendar across multiple closers. So when it came to LinkedIn, we're like, right, how can we remodel and restructure the sales team or the people that are taking calls so the best closer is getting on a call with the highest quality leads? So what we did is we just ran a two different funnels so that the best closer was always getting the higher quality leads from LinkedIn as we bled over. Um, but it's still early days for LinkedIn. I think I put a post on my story that said, people are asking, is my demographic on LinkedIn? I don't know if my demographic's on LinkedIn. It's like 39, uh, sorry, 69 million people in the United Kingdom and 38 million people in the United Kingdom have a LinkedIn profile. It's like 45%, 50%. And they're not people under the ages of 15 and they're not old age pensioners. So you're looking at over 50% of the population are on LinkedIn on some level. So chances are there are a lot more people on LinkedIn than you realize for sure. Where did you initially learn about LinkedIn and how has that come together over yeah, the last few so, years? So um, honestly, if, if, if you're watching this and you're like, oh, I've known nothing about LinkedIn, neither did we. Um, you, you remember this. So it was actually you who told me the software, but we won't get into that. There was a software that was really useful. And I remember when you when we both moved to Dubai at the time, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a software that you were able to use to filter um, Instagram conversations. It wasn't direct heroes. It was after that. Uh, it was like WhatsApp and Instagram. Oh, WhatsApp or something. A Russian thing. Yeah. That's it, bro. So it pinged in Russia, right? pinged in Russia, came up on my phone. Is this me? No. And I had moved to Dubai, didn't have my UK phone number attached anymore. Didn't have my UK access to my old O2 number. Locked out of my IG. Remember that? For about almost 12 months. So I had no access to my IG. I just bought a, at the time, million dollar apartment that I needed to fund. I'm like, whoa, okay, all our money's coming from this, pro this Instagram profile where we've made a lot of money up until that point. Now that's gone, I'm like, what the hell are we going to do? I needed to make 100 grand in that, that week. Um, so I went back to all of my existing clients and I'm like, right, we're going to create a higher tier program. We're going to charge 5K for the whole year, which looking back on it now is not that expensive. But at the time, we're like, we're going to charge 5K for the whole year. We're just going to get 20 people on. So we threw the kitchen sink at our existing clients and you could say upsold or put, a, put them on a, a higher price program made the 100K, paid the, the down payment on the apartment. I'm like, okay, I can breathe again. But now I don't have my Instagram still. And I thought, why don't we just keep doing that? 
And then I thought, where would I find these people? And it hit me. It was like LinkedIn. All of these people were executives, corporate executives in the United States. I'm like, I was like, well, and th this is something that probably arrogant statement that was passed down to me by by parents. But it was like, if someone could do it, we say this all the time. If someone can do it, I can do it. So I'm like, listen, if, if there's someone out there selling on LinkedIn and making money on LinkedIn, like I can do it. So I'm like, okay, let me just throw the kitchen sink at this, burn the boats because we had no other option. I was like, right, so let's just double down on LinkedIn. And within nine months, we'd made a mill, which is a lot considering it had taken us, you know, a few years to make a few mill before that. And from scratch, from zero, knowing nothing. But what we could do, and you could say, yeah, oh, that must be so hard. It actually played into our hands because our skill set as a team from, let's say, me coaching was creating an irresistible offer at a high price point and then teaching my team to close. Actually, I took hardly any of those calls. It was all my team based on me teaching them how to sell. So it, it really played into our hands and then it just became right. So all I need to do is understand this platform as time progresses and to try and get and cultivate the best leads onto a call with my team and let's just charge a higher price point. And I remember, obviously, you know, for since we've known each other, really, we've had parallel businesses doing slightly different things in different ways and things. And the one thing that I was able to see from what we were doing when we used to brainstorm was, in a way, we didn't have the distraction of the other priced programs. And obviously, you're making a lot of money when you were doing that. But I'm there going like, well, we don't have that luxury. So we just double down on this one thing. And it, it obviously our fitness business was the Cover Model Academy changed to the Cover Model Executive. And yeah, it just went from there really. And I would say every few weeks, obviously an algorithm changes or a system changes or they crack down on something. So it was just a case of going, how can I map out all of the strategies and even this week you know we're getting questions all the time and I'm, I'm adapting to certain scenarios and I'm sure we'll go deep into some of those to try and get more people on calls and all of these things and um, that's how it started really yeah what would you say is the best strategy you utilize in terms of booking calls that focusing on outbound messaging via sales nav and I know a lot of things have become probably more difficult with LinkedIn over the last six to 12 months where you're limited in terms of the amount of connections you can make. You can't import loads of people from email addresses. Yeah, that was handy. How have you handled that? Okay. So um, coming back to a statement that we touched on earlier, a quality rather than quantity. So um, the two biggest skill sets that I think you need is the ability to close a higher ticket program. That's, that's, a, that's a good offer. And then the ability to have a more intimate, meaningful conversation to the best of your ability in the chat flow. And the biggest mistake that I've seen people that even we've worked with is they're like, listen, I don't want to be booking calls. I'll take the calls. And then they're sitting on their hands. So like we know, you don't delegate something unless you actually, you, unless it's working, don't delegate it. So the, the, the people who have struggled the most under our guidance are people who value their time too high to be booking calls. And what happens then is there's a, there's, a, there's a disparity between 
them thinking that it's above them, below them, and the person who's booking the call not being able to have the conversation at the level that an executive would, would want and need. And what I say to people is, there are only four things that you should be doing. Well, to get to six figures, there are only two things that I think a fitness professional should be doing. Booking calls, closing calls. That's it. You want to scale that to seven figures? I think, now, I'm not saying don't post content, but if you post content and you're not booking calls, like, what's the point? If you're not closing calls, what's the point? If you're recording a podcast as great as they are, but you're not booking calls and closing calls, what's the point? So if you're not making six figures, book calls, close calls. If your goal is to book, uh, to get to seven figures, as Alex Ramosi says, you just need to do that consistently. So the best way to do that consistently is to add two other things. So you're either booking calls or closing calls or teaching your team to book more calls or close more calls. Or you're learning how to book better calls and close better calls. So it's still the same two things. So it's either you're doing it yourself or you're helping your team to do it if you want to scale. So I would say then the before you even look at a strategy of how you you let's say get people from knowing you to a call what I would say is how many let's say if you're listening to this how many connections do you currently have and let's just say someone says a thousand I was speaking to a client of ours this morning who has 600 connections it's not a lot but he's booking two calls a day so I would say if you're not booking calls on your platform and you have a thousand connections, then you getting more connections is not going to solve your problem if you're not able to get a call booked from the people you currently have connected with you. I would say solve the right problem. And then they could say, oh, well, what's the strategy? And I would say, well, forget about new connections or in-mail or sales navigator or scraping a search or doing you know, uh, event strategies or group strategies or webinar strategies. Here are, let's say, 500 men. If you're unable to get their attention, you're fucked. Can I say that? Mm, you're fucked. <laughs> because ultimately, if you can't sell them the idea of replying to your message, you won't be able to sell them the idea of booking a call with you for 15 to 20 minutes of their time. You won't be able to sell them a program. So, and I think so many people are, are getting pitched on LinkedIn, like that's what it is. And so I think trying to break a narrative of, uh, for example, um, when we first started, our most successful tactic was reaching out to someone and saying, hey, I see you're in such and such an area. Um, uh, my uncle, I think it was my uncle used to play golf and they would Google, Google a golf course close to where that person is situated. And you could say, oh, that takes time. But what we did is I hired someone specifically and I said, you're only going to get paid commission on what? Not if someone closes, not if someone books a call, if they reply. I, I'm going to pay you just to get a reply. And I'm going to pay you X dollars to get a reply and you're only allowed message, you've got all day, you're only allowed message 20 people. He's like, what? That'll take me an hour. I'm like, okay, give it a go. So copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, no replies. Like, he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll message some more. I'm like, you're not allowed tomorrow. He's like, okay. So he hops on tomorrow and he's like, okay, 
So then he spends a little bit more time and he gets like a reply. He's like, okay, listen, this is a waste of time. I could be booking way more, I could be messaging way more people. I'm like, I don't want you to message way more people because eventually you'll burn through the people that you're connected with. You can't delete messages on LinkedIn. What I want you to do is do what I would do is I'm paying you. You're capped to the amount of replies that you can get. And you've got unlimited time really because it's not going to take you eight hours to message 20 people. So why don't you take a minute, spend an hour or two, even three, even four, grab a coffee and go through not their profiles. Why don't you go through all of the people you're connected with? Why don't you think who is the most likely person to reply? Who's the most active person on LinkedIn? You message, let's say if 10 of those 20 people aren't even active on LinkedIn in the last 30 days, is that a good use of your time? No. So you you then want to go through, you then want to go through the people that are most active, right? And then go, okay, so at least bloody active on the platform. That's a good start. Are, and this is, the, this is the biggest question. If you message someone on our profile and the answer to this question is no, you're an idiot. Can this person or will this person likely ever give us five to seven and a half K for a fitness program? If the answer to that is no, don't message them. What, so you're going to get them in the pipeline? So our closer down the line is like, why are you giving me these guys, right? So so you need to ask that question. And the goal is then to be as, as, as highly intelligent as you possibly can with the selection process. And then you go, okay, what could I possibly say to this person that is most likely going to get a response? And that could be unique to that individual. I'll give you one example. There was the, uh, This was on a live training with, with, um, with my clients maybe six months ago. And, um, and this person had been peppered like eight messages, no reply, nothing. He'd seen every single message, no reply. It was like pitch, uh, ask about a restaurant, pitch, um, looking for 10 men, pitch. It was like all of this stuff, then a GIF. And then I was there, I'm like, they were like, I bet you can't get a reply from this person. I'm like, okay. So I go into the profile and I look at the guy's profile and his his cover photo was the Stadium of Light, Sunderland. So I Google Sunderland's slogan and it's Hawaii the Lads. And I just write Hawaii the Lads in a wink. He replies while we're on the Zoom in front of everyone. I'm like, if that's what it takes to get a reply, because you can't book a call if he doesn't reply. They're like, yeah, but is that even a It doesn't matter. Like it's a, it's a conversation. So some things that I would suggest people look at, and like there's only, you could give someone a strategy that there's no way you could ever explain that strategy. That's, that's high IQ, high level problem solving, but you can teach the framework of that. So try and find something personalized. Um, one of the things that I find that that's a good strategy is if you go onto someone's profile and you want to find something slightly personalized, well, okay, you want to find something that someone is so compelled to reply. So if I sent you a message, didn't know who you were, and I said, hey man, um, are you looking for a closer that closes eight out of 10 deals? Hey, you'd reply. Because it's so compelling, even if you don't care how much it's going to cost, you don't care if he's pitching you, it's so compelling, it outweighs the potential pitch. So what you want to do is you want to find something so compelling that someone is literally, it's, it's, compu- it's a compulsion. They're, com- they're compelled to reply. One of the things that is the strongest link to a compulsion when it comes to a conversation 
is something that's emotionally close to them. So if you look at someone's LinkedIn profile, okay, they're emotionally attached to their work. Go to where they went to school. So I bet you if I said something about Box Hill, you'd be like, that, that is an emotional tie to you. If someone said Surrey Hills, if someone said any of those things, you'd be like, don't know who this guy is, but you're all, you're all of a sudden you're more compelled. Someone goes, oh, hey, see you're in Dubai. You're like, uh, if someone says, oh, uh, did you go to Box Hill School, you know, such and such, such a teacher there. All I have to do is go to Google and go English teachers in the 90s and probably 2000s. And I'm, I'll find your English teacher. Oh, my God, do you know uh, Miss Nyan? That sounds so silly, bro. That takes 30 seconds. That person could give us 10K lifetime value. So that's, that's high level shit. So and I've done that. I've gone literally like, oh, this person went to this school between these dates and, and check, you know, what teachers are there. So what we try and do really, and listen, a VA from a third world country is going to be, is going to struggle to do that, like at that level. So I would say if someone's getting into LinkedIn, the best thing you can do is take control of the platform yourself. And if not, then you need to hire a high quality appointment setter someone who's able to do stuff like that. Um, and of course, then it's okay, what do you pay them? Then it's okay, like generally you would pay them probably a commission. Because at that you point- You pay your setters only on commission? Uh, we, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, so the, the way I kind of see it is, um, it depends on, on, on who's coming in. It's, it's a unique scenario. We're in a unique scenario where we haven't, coach many or any or take any sales calls for our fitness businesses in, in a long time. So that's a unique scenario. Most people who are watching this are probably taking the calls and we'll touch on this in a second, probably should take their calls from LinkedIn. Um, and therefore, your the most valuable thing you can do is, is take your take your calls from LinkedIn. Then if you're taking your calls from LinkedIn, and you're paying, let's say, a CSM or, or client success manager, and it's organic, then you're probably looking at an 80% profit margin. You're not running ads on, on the platform itself. You're not running ads. You're, you've got an appointment setter. Let's just leave question mark what you pay them. You're maybe overseeing the setting process. You're taking the calls, and then you've got a CSM that you pay maybe 10 15%. Probably not much more than that with the ticket. So you've got an 80% profit margin. I don't know about you, but I would be pretty e it'd be pretty easy to pay 10% to a really good setter. So let's just say I closed two calls this week at 5K a piece. This guy's made a grand. So if he does that every week, he's making 4K. I'll say this, I'll probably say this for the rest of my life when it comes to closers and setters. Finding a world-class closer is not difficult. Finding a world-class setter is not difficult. People are watching this going, really? I would say I'm a world-class closer and I'm a world-class setter. I'm right in front of you, but you won't be able to pay me enough to do it for you. That's the thing. Finding a world-class setter and a world-class closer is not hard. What's hard is giving them enough money to stay in the opportunity that you have. So you can find a world-class setter tomorrow because any high-class salesperson that you know could close, could set if you paid them enough. But the hardest part is justifying paying them enough to stay in that role and not to take a job elsewhere. It's the same with closers. 
So how can you afford to pay a world-class closer or setter to be in your business? That's the question. It's not finding them. There's thousands of them. That's the problem. People don't see that's the problem. So now if you look for a setter, let's just say you hire an amazing setter and you give them 10%, but you're not closing. You're going to lose the setter. So what do you do? Well, you need to make sure, first and foremost, like we said in the last episode, that you're able to close at a high level. Because if you can close at a high level, your profitability is higher. Let's say you go from a 5K offer to a 7.5K offer. Well, you've already more than doubled your profit margin. You've probably quadrupled your profit margin. You've doubled your gross. You've probably doubled your profit margin. So you can afford to pay a setter at a higher quality. You can afford to do way more things in your business at a higher quality just because you're crushing it on calls. We had a, a guy day before yesterday, like most people, had a slow start to LinkedIn, made 10K in a day and then closed someone for like 5K the next day. And he was mind blown. He's like, this is really legit. Like he took him a while to build up his profile and he made the mistake of putting a VA in trying to book calls. He's sitting on his hands waiting around. I'm like, don't delegate something unless it's working. So just get in, book calls yourself, have a genuine conversation, get people on a call and go from there. Now, whether it's a one-part close or a two-part close, the whole strategy is dependent on what the goal outcome is. Um, that's something we can touch on as well, but I can't remember what the question was. Would you ever have, have you ever seen anyone set and close? So someone sees you the whole process, who's good? Would I ever hire someone to do it oh, yeah. for me? Yeah. When you talk about LinkedIn doesn't take many hours. So say for example, someone, it's just me spitballing, someone could like set for two, three hours, then close three hours oh, later in the day. That's it, bro. Like, so when, when I, let's say when people came in and, and let's say in, in what we were doing and we we're teaching them LinkedIn, I would say, okay, so, let's say one of the first things that you would do is you delegate the coaching eventually. Like that's probably one of the first things that I would do, especially if you're looking to, to sell on LinkedIn. So you delegate the coaching, that's fine. So what else are you left to do? You don't need to manage one person. So the rest of your day, I would say, how many hours are you willing to spend per day to make a quarter of a million this year? Most people will go every hour. Okay, you don't need to do that. Let's say six hours. You happy with that? Yeah. Okay. So you want to make 20K months, right? Which is say a quarter of a million a year. If that's the case, you're happy to work six hours a day. Let me tell you how you spend it. You open two slots a day, Monday to Friday. That's 10 slots. Let's say 50% show up rate. Is, it could be less, could be more, but let's say it's 50% show up rate. You're going to take five calls. Right? You just need to close one of those five calls to make 5K a week, and that's 20K a month. So you can close at a 20% rate of the five calls with a 50% show-up rate, and you just put those two hours aside. The hour each day where there's a ghosted call, you just book calls. That's just two hours a day. You could spend two hours in the morning booking calls and two hours in the evening booking calls on two different time zones. You're spending then four hours booking calls. One hour is potentially a call. If not, you book calls. And then the other one is just taking one call a day, Monday to Friday. The difference is the reason that most people can't do that is because they're not selling at a high enough level to sell a 5K plus thing. But if you're selling a 5K thing and you take five calls in a week, either you're really bad and you're not closing at 20% or your ticket's too low. So like when you look at that, 
like you could probably work four hours a day. Anyone listening to this, if they have the skill themselves to book calls, let's say two hours in the morning, and then say they've got two slots of calls in the evening, and you should be able to make quarter of a million a year. Now, people could do that on top of their already existing fitness business. Why do you think people struggle with that a lot? So Alex Ramosi says this, if, if someone asked, if someone said, hey, how would you make a hundred grand a year? He says, sell a hundred grand program. Sell a hundred grand program and figure out what to do with the rest of your time. So if someone said to me that, because the thing is, the majority of the people that we speak to on LinkedIn, the majority, it's never a financial objection. And when I say it's never a financial objection, you can weed out organically people that are earning millions. So it's never a financial objection for them. It's not that they don't have the money. So whether you sell them a 5K thing or a 10K thing, some of them are more likely to buy the 10K thing. Without mentioning any names, we've um, someone that we know personally who's been in uh, masterminds that you've been in before that we worked with a few months ago, sells a 20K thing. Sells a 20K thing and a 15K thing on LinkedIn. Really nice guy. Um, just, yeah, this is the price. This is what it is. We just helped him put a LinkedIn system in place, bolted on the front end. So you sell one of those a, a month, you know, and that's a quarter of a mil. The, and, and this is, you know, and uh, it depends. I understand having a sales team and, and I know you, you have one and, and they're very successful. The challenge with, with LinkedIn is. Need to be sold differently. For sure, but also, for all, but also, imagine how an executive feels in their sixties, who's made millions, who just about agrees to book in a call with you, and you pie them off to someone else. It's the disrespect. You know what I mean? They almost feel like mm, not important enough. Yeah, and like. Their resistance anyway is they don't understand that you're a CEO. They think you're just a trainer. So they're all they're you're you're lucky sometimes to get a call with these guys, let alone the fact that you've sidelined it to someone else. There's ways you can navigate that. But my suggestion would be um, is that if you do delegate the sales, that you do it to someone who's a significant face within the business. And if you're hiring if you've got a sales team that are external. I would find a way to, for example, let's say closing force, for an example, I would go, hey, like, give me a good closer and I want to hold on to one closer. He's going to do this. I'm going to put him all over our branding and marketing. I'm going to go, this is the only way that I'll do it because, okay, so then we go, he's a coach, he's this, he's, he's the main guy, you need to speak to this guy. It's clever, but I think it's hard otherwise. It's hard. So to the point where we changed the Zoom name to our closers to vice president. Because it's like they, like, they don't want to speak to a sales rep or a manager or a, they don't even want to speak to a coach. So we, we, even to that level of detail. So, but also I would say you're an exception. I'm an exception. We, our businesses run without us. But for most people watching this, there's very few skills that you can, that you can sharpen that are more valuable than, than selling. And when you're talking about a 5K or 6K or 7K deal, for the sake of an hour of your time, we spoke just before, I calculated 
I took 73 calls in 2021, 73 closed. The lifetime value was 26K. I took two-part close, so it was a 30-minute maybe and an hour long. So you're talking like a $19,000 an hour task. There's very few things that you'll be able to do in life that will give you as good a return as closing these sort of people. The only main reason that I would recommend that you delegate, and if you delegate to a, a sales team, my recommendation would be that you delegate on other platforms and that you hold on to LinkedIn or else the highest quality people. The only exceptions would be if you're really bad at closing and it's a band-aid solution for now, and then you improve your sales ability and then you f- you come in. Um, I see a huge amount of value in people running ads on other platforms to uh, uh, to a closing team, bring some money in, and then they focus on on this task. Um, the other exception would be someone who goes, listen, I'm making more than enough money. I don't need to take the calls and I'm happy to ride it out as long as it's profitable and I'm going to bring a, a team in or someone else in to make some sales. Like I said before, I easily lost about a mil and a half coaching my team up to take calls on this platform for sure. A lot of money. Because um, in 2018, I was making 10K sales. So how many sales calls would you listen to a week all from, your, from your team? Every single call? Uh, yeah. I, like, uh, and how many calls would that be? Both businesses. So obviously it depends. So um, it depends if we're running traffic. It depends if it's one platform. It depends if it's... So I would say um, at the start of this year, we had... You have to bear in mind, I'm also consulting at a high level for sales teams as well. But let's just say within a business. So uh, let's use LinkedIn as an example, because that's what we're talking about. Um, we can touch on maybe paid LinkedIn and what that looks like. We had um, some paid traffic and we had some organic traffic. And we had three closers closing organic and one closing paid. And did you have the best closer trying to close paid? Correct. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, we'll talk through that, 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 that strategy for sure. Um, so I'm listening to all of these calls and I'm listening to all of the organic calls. And whether you do a one or two part close could mean that you're listening to double the calls and it's a, it's a different structure. And there are reasons why we have moved back to a one part close with some calls and then back to a two part close with others, depending on what we're trying to achieve. Obviously we spoke briefly about that as well. Um, But I would, like, if if I'm if you're not taking the sales calls in your business, then I can't think of many more valuable things to do than. Co- you also have to bear in mind that this, that's my gift, right? So if I'm getting paid tens of thousands of dollars a month to do that for other people, I'm crazy not to do it for my own team. So, um, as a CEO, it's strategy. Hiring, improving the skill of your team, and then networking or doing podcasts. I would say those four things are probably the most important. So creating the strategy, the vision, hiring, coaching your team, and then networking and brand building. Um, And that could be content or the face of the brand. So if I'm not working in my business, which I wasn't, those were my only main tasks so I come up with the strategy, I hire, and then coaching the team. 
And there's very few things you can coach your team to do that will give you a better return than selling, I would say. So I was listening to like all of them. But what, like if there's a 50-minute call, I'm not listening to the 50 you minutes. You just skip through to... Well, I put it on 2x speed and then I go through and I know specific parts of the call that I'm looking for based on the closer. So, something so you're looking for someone making the same mistake? Yes, but I also know people's strengths. So I will create, I would say more than just selling, I would say one of my one of my gifts is offer creation. So I will tailor the pitch according to the closer. So some closers are weak in the commitment at the end. So I need to change their pitch deck to, to help them in those areas. And then other people will go off and wander on a tangent when it comes to the emotional element of things. So I'll tailor their pitch deck accordingly. And so I'm looking at where I know the closers are most weak and I'm like, based on the notes, like we said. And so just before um, we, we went on air, we spoke about when a closer takes a call, the, the uh, integration is that there is a zap that gets sent to a Slack channel with the recording. And then the closer will give me a readout of how the call went, what the issues were, what they thought the reason was they didn't close, all of these things. So I'm immediately going through that recording, let's say the next day, going, right, okay, what was the issue? What happened? And I will go through sections of that call, depending on what I think we need to go through. Then I will leave a readout of my recommendations, like, you, you F this, you should have done that. Why didn't you do this? Not happy with it. And then I'll give it a rating. And then we'll have... Right out of turn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then we'll have closing. Um, then we'll have, uh, let's say, an improvement uh, call. So we'll have calls where we go through, hey, listen, so you'll have one-to-one -one calls, but you'll also have group calls where it's like, right, okay, so I've been through these recordings. Uh, the overarching view from your calls this week is A, B, and C. Closer number B, you're, you're not doing this, 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 and this you know, we need to kind of figure this out. We go, right, do we need to optimize the pitch deck? Is there something that we're not doing? So we'll generally have three team calls a week. Do you find so, it's the same reoccurring theme coming up? With each closer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the time. Like, um, it's very often that you will find that it is common. That, here's an example. There was a, there was a a client of mine who's now doing really, really well. Um, he started maybe 4K months. He's now maybe doing 30, 40K a month, all on LinkedIn. And every time he gets one objection, he crumbles. And it's a spousal objection. And it's because that's the objection that would crush him because he has such a tight relationship with his wife. She's been with him every step of the way. He would give a spousal objection to everyone. So he finds it really difficult to break it. And that was an area where as a, as a mentor, I was helping him overcome that to a degree and finding a way to navigate that when he's on calls. Every time he would struggle, it was spousal objection, spousal objection, spousal objection, because when I first spoke to him, he also gave me a spousal objection and we, we actually overcame that on the call. Um, but you'll find that some people as closers, their belief patterns seep into their calls. So you often see people who are have a, a negative relationship around money. They will struggle when it comes to putting someone under pressure when it comes to money. Um, you know, if someone has a, let's say they don't have a huge amount of conviction in the fulfillment of their program, you'll see that on the call because they're less convicted. So often what you'll do 
is I will turn around. This is something I would highly recommend. If you listen to someone close a call and they don't sound convincing, I literally grab them by the scruff of the neck and drag them into the testimonials and go, you do realize this is what we fucking do. Like, you're not selling, you're not closing, you're changing lives. And that, like, gives me goosebumps because that's what we do. Like, don't forget that for a second. So I'll literally go, what are you talking about? And they'll go, to be honest, yeah, I mean, I just don't. I was on a, a, a group call with the team that I'm consulting with for sales last week. And I said, uh, there's a very famous movie um, about selling. Can't say who it is. Very famous person that it's about. DiCaprio played the star and the person that it's about is a very famous person in that space. I coach a sales team um, and we were on a call. Um, people guess who it is. Uh, and we're going through an offer that they're selling for that person. And I said, who here has full conviction in the thing that you're selling? And no one put their hands up. I said, oh, okay how many of you have gone through the thing that you're selling? No one put hands up. I'm like, why are we on this call? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, if you do, if you, first of all, if you've not been through the program or you haven't seen inside it, I don't want you selling it. They're like, well, but we have to. I said, well, if I'm selling something, I would spend some time over the weekend to go through the thing that I'm selling and make sure that I'm happy with what I'm selling. And I said, why haven't you guys done that? And they're like, oh, well, I didn't think it was important. I'm like, well, I'm listening to your calls and there's no conviction. So why I wouldn't buy from you. So if you have that issue with people, I would go, and, and this may be a challenge with the sales team, I would spend a little bit more time to go, hey, do you know what such and such does? You're taking calls for this person. Have a look at some of their testimonials. But also what I would do in your scenario is I would say, Okay, so if closing force are taking some calls for A, A and B, I'll go, hey, can you guys make sure you send testimonials to these people all the time? All the time. You need to take responsibility. It's not up to you to do that. You need to take responsibility to send testimonials to your closers. Because every time they say, oh, shh. Because then even on a call, you'll go, hey, listen, Louise was in the exact same scenario as you. She didn't want to commit to the program. A, B and C happened. And They've only just seen Louise's testimonial and it triggers that on the call. We see a lot of that like with with LinkedIn especially because what you're dealing with is, I would say I realized that I was Michael Schumacher in a Fiat Punto and I felt like my skill set was too high on a sales spectrum for for other platforms. So I, I just tried to navigate to a platform that I felt relatively comfortable in. And so, you know, like I said, when we started off, there are some scenarios where I would be like, maybe, maybe LinkedIn isn't for you if you're not comfortable selling. It, basically, if you're selling a monthly program, just a monthly retainer, I think it's going to be a challenge for you, honestly. Like if, if someone is, is not comfortable doing a paid in full, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a struggle just because of the money that you can make in that period of time. It could be a challenge. What are your thoughts on automation tools for LinkedIn like Dripify? Okay, yeah, great. So, because um, I've seen a lot of issues with people getting shut down. And yeah, account yeah, restrictions and stuff like cool. that. Cool. So, firstly, I would say that if you're not closing calls, 
then that's the fundamental issue. So if you're not closing calls, learn to close calls before you touch any form of automation. If you're not booking calls, automation won't help you. Because the way I see it is um, the automation is an accelerant to the process. But if, if all you're doing is you've got a poor offer and you're not closing it well enough and you can't articulate it well enough and you're not able to book calls pretty good from the people that are already in your profile, then using an automation tool as an accelerant, you're just accelerating more people to reject your offer. And, shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just accelerating people to, to reject you. So I would say make sure they're fundamentally done. Then, okay, Dripify. So I think Dripify is a really, really good tool once you control it to the point where you can go, hey, you know what? There's a subsidiary profile over here, second profile over here. I'm going to put Dripify on that. Just connecting with people. Don't even have to send a message. Cool. And just let that run an overdrive until you've got 3,000, 4,000 connections and just focus on mining from this profile. And that's the right word, mining. It's like, right, let's mine from the people we already have. Let's grow this profile over here for the next year. Okay, or else you could have an introductory message or offer them something free, just building a connection. Cool, like I see value in that. Um, I think you need to be clever with the, I'll give you a, a tip when it comes to connecting with people and sending messages. You have a limit to how many people you can connect with and you have a limit to the amount of people you can message with on Dripify. So let's just say it's 75 messages a day. It could have changed, but let's say it's 75 messages a day. Would I prefer send 75 people one message or let's say 32 and a half people two messages? Now you could say, well, you're not going to send 30, you're not going to send two messages in a day. No, but the ones from yesterday. So if it's like you send a message today and six days later you send them another message, by the time they pass through, then six days later, you can only now send 32 and a half people a message because the other people are getting the second message. You've automatically halved the pool of people you're getting in the inbox. So what you want to do is you want to maximize the amount of conversations or that are, that are being started so your VA or whoever's booking calls has double the amount of people that they can pick at. And I would say that the value of the, the twice as many conversation started is more valuable than needing to pay a uh, than than needing to pay um with paying uh, an assistant to come in and send a few follow-up messages um, that would be a better alternative um you do find obviously there are different types of campaigns that you can run there's an in-mail campaign there's a there's a just a connection campaign and then there's an email campaign so if you're running an in-mail, if you're sending in-mails, an in-mail is basically like a requested DM. So they can choose or, or not to choose to accept it. One thing I would never do is send an in-mail without a link to something. Because if you send me, let's say someone sends me a pitch and it's an in-mail and I can click into it and I decide to accept it or not, very few people are going to accept it and not reply. Fair? So you're only going to accept it if either you want them to see that you've seen it and snub them, which is rare, or you're just like, oh, I'm not interested. But if someone sends me a pitch in an in-mail, before I decide to accept or not, I will probably or may read it. 
And if there's a link that says, hey, you should have a look at this, I'll probably click the link to see, hmm, is this worth accepting? So something that we did was we created a landing page of some value that said, hey, great to connect, such and such and such. Listen, great, I'd love to give you A, B, and C. Here's a link tells you maybe a little bit more about what we do, or here's a link to it gives you a little bit of understanding of why we may want to connect. And then, so we'll often put a link to something in an email because they, you'd be surprised the amount of people that click the link, consume the content, and don't accept the message. And they end up in an email sequence or they end up somewhere else or they end up like getting hit with a pixel. So you, you can still run different pixelated ads to people using an in-mail strategy. So that's one tip. I would always put some form of link in an in-mail. Um, we found that an email automation campaign was generally the best um, compared to the other three. I think that's because it will go to your inbox often. Um, so I do think it's valuable. We've made a lot of money on Lemlist, so cold email, cold email software, from um, from scraping uh, a sales nav search through, let's say, a, a third party, and then going through a software like Neverbounce to to enrich the list, and then sending a cold email campaign to those people that says, "Hey, I tried to connect with you on LinkedIn. I'm not sure if you've seen it." And you put the same list into Dripify, and that says, "Hey, I sent you an email. I'm not really sure if you've seen it." And then you, you've got double cross pollinate. Cross pollinates, but also then you can have a webhook that, as soon as someone accepts your connection on Dripify, they automatically get they automatically get put onto a, a Google Sheet where the VAs can go through or the setter can go through and cross them off. That can also send them a direct email from Gmail that says, "Hey." Just saw you accepted my request. I thought I would send you a message here. You're probably going to get spammed in the inbox. That's another thing that we often do. But you can also put them in an email campaign, an active campaign as well. What percentage of your calls come from that, do you think? Lemlist. Hmm. Um, not as much as... The, the vast majority of the calls come from a, come from a conversation that happens in the um in the dms can i use this yeah this will give you an example so let me write this down so uh you can put it in the notes or put it on something later so um let's imagine that i have a certain number of connections how many people how give me an example like five thousand connections maybe i think more ten cool so ten thousand connections right so let's just say that um, we're never going to connect with a new person again. Hypothetically, we're never going to send a cold outreach to anyone ever again. You've just got 10,000 people that are in your, in your connection limit. I send you a message, one of these people, and I say, hey, what's up? You know, it'd be great to connect or do this, or I'd love to give you some value, whatever that message is. So first message. After what period of time would you say that it's reasonable to send a follow-up message would you say in a month or two or three or four? Like to go, hey, like they, let's say they don't respond. So you're going to follow up with a message. Now, obviously, you could send it a few days later, but let's just say we said well into the future. When would you say would be reasonable? Four, four weeks? weeks? Okay, cool. So four weeks time. This will blow your mind. So let's just say four weeks time. Now, some people will say eight weeks time, but okay, well, let's go four weeks. So that's... That's a month. That's 20 days of messaging Monday to Friday from an assistant. 
So let's have a look at this. That means you would have to message 500 people a day just from your current people to actually burn through this amount of people in that sequence. Now, let's say 500 people a day. So if you were to send a very personalized message to someone, now it goes without saying that if your goal is to get a reply from someone, it goes without saying that you're more likely to get a reply the more personalized it is. So now you could blast copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. But if the goal is to get the most, the highest level of responses, you want the highest level of, of, of personalization. So let's say that I give you my phone, you go in here and you go, right, I want you to message this person, look at their profile, see where they're from, see where they went to school, any of the stuff. And let's just say you send a personalized message. So you have to find them. You then have to look at their profile. You then have to go, okay, I'm going to send this sort of message, look over it, review it, send, and then find another person. Is it fair to say that that would probably take five minutes a message? Yeah, I'd say it's fair. So that's 12 people an hour. So let's just say, just to make it easier, let's say this is 600. So that's going to take you 50 hours a day to go through that amount of people to message. So the issue is never the amount of people, it's the quality of the message. So if you were, so then imagine if we said we're going to follow up every eight weeks, then that's still 25 hours a day for one person to message consistently. So if you look at the, the, the problem solve, the problem solve is actually to do a higher quality message to a smaller number of people and spend more time getting a more, because when we did that with the 20 people, we had, his goal was to get 50% of them to reply. And at the start, it was like one or two would reply. And eventually it was over 10. So if you're getting 10 people reply, you're in a way better position. So if you send a copy and paste to 100 people, you'd probably get a 2% reply rate, I would say. Two, three, maybe 4% reply rate. So if you can get a 50% reply rate, you've 10x'd your, your front end just by sending a more personalized approach. Um, so yeah, that would be, that would be I mean, it, it's... It's rarely, it's rarely the issue of people. It's more quality, I would say. Is there anything you've seen in terms of not getting your profile restricted? Because I've seen LinkedIn seems to be getting worse for that. It seems to be mm. a, a roulette of like profiles going up and down, in particular like with a bit of a LinkedIn Ponzi scheme of profiles. Yep. Um, yep. Is there anything, like we've tried things like VPSs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, um, just wood, touch wood. My profile has never had any form of uh, scare, but I, I think it's fair to say, we had this conversation about your Facebook ad account back in the day, the more money you spend, the less likely they are to get you in hot water. The longer you're on LinkedIn without getting in hot water, the less likely you are to get in trouble. So that's why following something like this with a higher quality approach, rather than trying to scale the numbers, is going to give you a better return for the booked calls that you have, but also it's less likely to get your account restricted. So um, what we would try and do very often is to have a smaller number of people in the profile. What we found, yes, you could say it's automations. We've personally found that user login is the is the most 100%. is the most important thing to avoid. 
So for that reason, you only need more people in the profile if you need more messages to be sent. So coming back to this again, the higher the quality of the message, the less amount of messages need to be sent and the less amount of people need to be in there. And we've had people who've got their account shut down because a VA has logged in to post a bit of content. Now, your content king. So, but on LinkedIn, the one thing I would say is we reach out to someone, they see the message, they reply, they may look at our profile. They will basically see what we've done. It's actually quite hard to see posts. Mm. You have to scroll to activity. Then you have to go to posts. Then you have to see the feed. It's actually rare that people consume your content when you direct message them. What I've noticed is that people actually go from, we direct message them and they go find me on Instagram somehow or yeah, YouTube yeah. or somewhere else. Yep. yep. So often what we would do is give them a resource in the conversation where we want to direct them to find more. So we have like a learn more page where we've got a page. It's like, um, it's, uh, it's like a loom video that breaks down like who we are and what we do. And it's got some testimonials and, and then it takes them to a podcast episode. So that's a way that we can guide them to where we want them to go. Um, you know, and obviously it, it, it's a never ending, it's a never ending, you know, fun and game cycle of how do you, how do you go through that and how do you, navigate an ever-changing platform um it goes without saying that the more personalized the message the better that we do have people who send personalized loom videos in a like a sniper method where it's a hey charlie how's it going man just on your profile here just thought it'd be great to connect i see that you're working in such and such a place you know this is who i am this is what i do great to connect you know, I'd love to give you some value, maybe A, B, or C. Let me know what would be most valuable. And all of a sudden, you get a video, and it's like you see your profile in the background, and you see Charlie Johnson, and you're like, oh, what's this? If you see it, you're probably watching it. It's, it's quite personalized. You go, how long is that going to take? I'll go, well, start with quality better than quantity, unless you've got a lot of profiles. But for most people starting out, I would, I would recommend getting as personalized as possible. How do you change your offer and your program deliverables when you're focusing on LinkedIn versus other people focusing on Instagram, Facebook, for example? Great question. So at the start, the biggest issue I think that people have is they try and change their program. I, do, I wouldn't to start. I would say just sell the exact same thing that you're selling to a different demographic of people to start. Then we slowly morph the program to become more that way. An example when we were selling the cover, when we were selling programs in the Cover Model Academy, we had an app that had recorded videos, and we had these are this is your nutrition program on the app. This is where you chat with your coach on the app. This is your um, workout program on the app. We've got a Zoom call a few times a week with slides. We've got a Facebook group. We had a WhatsApp chat at one point, and then we started to realize after time it was like, hold on, what do these guys actually want? And when we tell people how we deliver the program now, they're absolutely mind blown. So I would say to you, so imagine that you're an exec in Houston and you're American, probably Republican, probably a Donald Trump supporter, maybe 46 years old, married, Christian, two kids. What, what form of, considering a lot of Americans are only now starting to use WhatsApp, right? What form of contact 
do you think this guy would have with the vast majority of the people that he speaks to on a daily basis? Clients, staff, team, prospects, and yeah, what what would be email. right? Email. Right, fucking genius. Cool. So let's bear that bear that in mind. Okay. So if you're inputting data and you're collecting data and you're transferring data and you're sending data and you want to see data and you're this guy, how what system would you generally use on a daily basis for data? Spreadsheets. Excel spreadsheet. So that's all we do. Email spreadsheet. Literally, that's it, bro. That's it. So on our Excel spreadsheet, we have tabs. Habit tracker, which to me is more important than most things. Habit tracker, um, a traffic light system for, let's say, their sleep and, and the input, their ordering data. So they've got like their HRV, they just import it every day. Then they've got their nutrition on an Excel spreadsheet. They have their training on an Excel spreadsheet and their supplements on an Excel spreadsheet. And they don't ever check in. When I say that to people, they're like, what? They don't ever check in. What they do is they take 60 seconds of their day to fill a traffic light system across a line of Excel sheets. How is your sleep, digestion, fatigue, energy, cognitive ability, um, sex drive, all of this stuff. They just go red, orange, green. And if you miss a day, okay, takes 120 seconds to do it the next day. They don't ever have to send a before and after photo. They don't ever have to click a type form link. They don't ever have to, you know, do all of this stuff and weigh themselves. They will do this output on a daily basis. Just we just say, are you able to spend 60 seconds of your day to commit to this? What that means is our coaches can see at any one time, they can click on your profile at any point of the day on your spreadsheet that's being shared with us and go, yeah, Charlie's going pretty well this week, man. And then what happens on the weekend is our coaches will send a Loom video that reviews your Excel spreadsheet and goes, hey, you've got a note section where you can add in different bits and pieces and comments. And it's like, everything seems to be going really well. Like there's this and there's that and there's this. It sounds great. And most of these guys don't care about getting shredded. They don't care about abs. Of course, of course it's important, but a lot of these guys actually don't want to get in their underwear and these guys are like, we've got a vice president of MasterCard. He doesn't want to like, you know, pose in his undies and send photos to us. Because for these guys, they actually like that can be emasculating for some guys that aren't in great shape. And they just want to go, hey, like, I just want you to look at my data. And they're very data driven people. So then the Loom video gets recorded and it gets emailed once a week. That's it. If they have questions, they email. That's it. And when I worked with Ben Pogolsky back in the day, it was an email once every two weeks. It's the most expensive thing I ever did. But all of the questions that I needed to ask, I would put in an email and he would give me all of the answers two weeks later. That was it. So that's that's a very unique way of doing things. Now, uh, for most people, I would say stick to what you know now and then and then transfer across to a system that may be more specific to your people later on down the line. Where do you see the future of LinkedIn going? Um, so... At the start of 2021, there was uh, like 450 million people on LinkedIn. A year later, uh, sorry, it was closer to 500 million. A year later, there was over 800 million. So 300 million people went uh, started on the platform in a year. That's huge growth, huge growth, huge. So I can only obviously see that growing. I would say that 
you know, before long, there'll probably be between, you know, a billion and one and one and a half billion people there. Um, I would say that like everything, like Facebook ads back in the early 20 teens, you want to get on a platform sooner rather than later. You know, like you've done really well with your Instagram profile, trying to start that from scratch now would be a little bit more challenging. You know, or people are doing shout outs and all of this stuff. Like in 2014, 2015, 2016, we were like... Fucking hell, we knew that there. Yeah. So I think I did my first shout out in 2015, 2016. Didn't go all in like, you know, like you did a few years later. But imagine if we went back to 2012, 2013, we're running Facebook ads then. You don't know what you don't know there, right? You don't know what you don't know. So a lot of, you know, people, what we're saying is, you know, if uh, we're not saying like, hey, you know, come to us, we're going to show you how to like scale your fitness business. Not necessarily. What we're saying is, hey, you know, you could be a coach of Charlie's or a client of Charlie's or client of someone else's. And of course, you guys are teaching people LinkedIn as well. But what we say is like, hey, this we've got a course. Come through it. Have a look at the mistakes that we've made. Um, you know, some things that we find valuable and here, there and everywhere. And it should be, I would say to most people, if you're watching this, you're probably already, you probably already have a fitness business. I wouldn't say like drop everything. I would say, okay, could you give attention to this platform and make one 5k sale a week because if you do you're making an extra quarter of a million a year and you know it's a lot of it can be pretty streamlined and it's also omnipresence which you talk about a lot too how have you found because we started dabbling with linkedin ads Mm -hmm. how have you found that uh successful yeah successful we've um i've helped three people so far to one person's a 7x return. I'll talk you through it in more detail or we, if we've got time for another podcast. Um, we've, we have about a 3.6 return cash collected and a 5.5, 5.6 return on contracted. But it's a very different model and it's not easy. So my journey into LinkedIn ads came from consulting for a lot of other businesses that aren't in the fitness space who use LinkedIn ads and basically how it works is well how to so like linkedin lead ads with a close yeah yeah but then you've got a dialer who dials and sets a call it's a lot more challenging and it requires a high level of skill because the dialer needs to be very good otherwise the call doesn't get booked then the closer needs to be really really good if you're going to do a one part close, you need to get, you've got someone who's just opted in for something and you're trying to sell them a five to seven and a half K thing to get a lead could cost a hundred dollars to get it. Just a lead, just a name, email, phone number, like anything from 50 to a hundred dollars. So you know what it's like for Facebook. It's expensive, but so you can imagine now if we're Pressure getting to convert, that's huge. Yeah. But respectfully to a lot of people out there, our skill set is the ability to persuade and close. So it, it works in our favor. Like when we do the data, one of my closers um, collects anything between 1500 and 4K per call that he takes, depending on the month. That's an enormous amount on, on every call, standard, on average. So we can afford to run traffic. So just to give you an example of some numbers, you could be talking like $100 a lead, you'll get, um, you'll only connect with about 40 to 50% of those. What I mean is you'll only get 40 to 50 to even pick up to your dial. And then you'll probably get 80% of those to to book in. So let's say that's 40%. So you're looking at maybe 
say $220 to get a call booked. And then let's say it's a 50% show up rate. You could be talking $400 to $500 to get someone on a call. But if we're closing minimum of 1200 per call, we're 3x, 2x, 3x already. So if someone's going to do that, they need to be very good on the phone. And if you're going to build a two-part close, then there's a drop-off rate to the next call, which is why we change from a two-part on organic to a one-part on paid. Now, obviously, I'm stepping out. My goal was to come in for the quarter, show them how it works, and go, now you so can So did you initially take those and close those and then... I, I never took any calls. I told them how and like, obviously, I, because I was doing that with all these other teams. So I was teaching them how to dial. I was teaching them uh, the, the close. Obviously, my closers know. But we had to completely reconstruct the sale to a one-part sale from a two-part sale, which we do on organic all the time. Generally, it's a two-part sale. But what we found is it was too costly to get someone to the first call. And it was too costly to get them to the second call that there was a huge amount of pressure on the closer. Like it was costing maybe $1,500 to get someone on the second call. So we need to be closing at a really high level that even for us was a stretch. So we moved it back to a one-part close. It means we close less people. We had to decrease the price point so that we could justify a one-part close. And then we would take the dial as more of a diagnostic. But that needs to be a skilled dial because you're dialing someone in their time zone, any time of the day, a successful executive, and you're trying to keep them on the call for more than 30 seconds. I would say that's something that I'm very good at doing. Um, and I go into teams and actually help them with cold dialing to people that didn't even give us their number. So, I mean, we can go through that if you want, but it's that's 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 a unique challenge in itself. Where would you start that conversation on cold dial? Yeah, do you want to no, 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 do that? Not a cold dial, but say someone's doing like a, a the initial call from like an opt-in. Yep. So do you want to do that? Now? Yeah, 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 cool. So um, do you want to do it from someone who has given us their details or yeah no? who's opted in say about opted into a facebook lead cool. ad linkedin whatever so ring 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 yeah ring, ring, hello uh, hello is that charlie yes, yes hey charlie listen how's it going it's chris here from executive health coaching and um, listen i'm not going to keep you, you too long but i just signed i uh, just saw that you came through on our system you look for some information about health coaching uh that's correct and uh, do you have about 30 seconds now just to go through a few bits and pieces? Sure. So give me even more resistance. Uh, I'm quite busy now. Can I do you later on? Oh, well, listen, while I have you now, you're super busy. Um, so let's just get it done now so I don't have to call you later on. Um, listen, I just have actually two to three questions to ask and, and then you're on your way. But I just want to make sure that this is actually worth you even spending any bit of time on. So I don't really know anything about you and I would hate for you to get on a call with us and waste your time. Does that sound okay? Okay. So listen, and then you go through a few questions like what are your main goals? What is your main challenge? What is your main struggle? Listen, we're, I'm going to get you on a call with uh, my head of A, B, and C. But just so you're aware, you know, depending if it was a one or two part close, you know, this is not a sales call. Uh, what we're going to go through is we're going to go through and map out like a diagnosis of what you're doing, what you need, and how that looks. Um, and listen, if down down the line, you, you know, that's something you're interested in doing, and then you would position a two part close. Um, if it's the one part close and you're teeing up for a second call i would go through that and go hey listen uh, i know you're super busy um but uh, i can either you know call you back in a few hours but you know it could, it could waste even more of your time uh, there's just a few things that i need to do right now and then you would go okay fine and then i would ask you a few questions and i would say right that sounds absolutely amazing man well listen there's there's two things uh, we need to do and then two things i need to give you 
So the two things we need to do is uh, you would send over a text verification and an email verification. And then I book you in on the calendar and I get you while you're on the call to go through and reply to my text. So I know that, first of all, it's a micro commitment. So we know on our system that that's the right number because I could have called you. The number you could have put in could have been a landline or could have been a gatekeeper like a PA or something. Right. So I want to confirm, and I say the reason we do that is because um, I want to send you over some value about sleep or performance or whatever uh, to your to, to your personal cell. I don't want that going to you know your your assistant. So I've immediately just confirmed that that's your cell. You reply when I'm on the call, and then I send you a confirmation email to the call based on the time that we book in, and then I get you to scroll through and you click yes, so it blocks out in your calendar. So if anything else comes up in the meantime blocked out and i can see that on my side so uh, cool so there are the two things we need to do these are the two things i need to give you number one is well that email that you just accepted down below you'll see a video that tells you all about us that's the first give gives you so much information about who we are and what we do i'm going to make sure you've got a call with a b and c later on this evening the second give is i'm going to get such and such to personally reach out to you via the text that you've just accepted um, and he's going to give you a little bit of information about him He's going to tell you how he can best help you. And what you want to do in that position is such and such is the best person. He's going to be helping you, guiding you through this process with us. Almost like, um, let's say we go to a five-star hotel and someone goes, hey, Chris, Charlie, how's it going? Listen, this is Fernard, uh, Fernando. He's going to be looking after you for your stay. You're almost like, this is the person who's going to be minding you. This is the closer. This is going to be person who's going to be navigating you through your challenge. So it's a confirmation on who we are, confirmation on who he is. Who they're speaking to next. Yes. And then it's and then he now has the responsibility of the lead. He now has the prospect. And now this the dialer's out. If it's not the same person. When you start off, it may be the same person. You go, hey, listen, that this is me, it's going to be working with me. Maybe trans over, transfer over to the next. So um it it it's expensive because it's it's what, you know, you're talking between sixty to a hundred dollars a lead. But it's profitable, but it, it took a huge amount of our focus last month. Um, would I do that over Facebook ads? I don't know. You know, we've been crushed by Facebook ads in the past, so I was just like, just leave it. So um, I don't know. I don't know if I would say that it's better or worse, um, but I have used that system with a lot of other sales teams who are making hundreds of thousand dollars a month. So I'm like, let's just replicate what I'm already seeing. Um I would say that if you're looking to do that, seek guidance with someone who can help you through that process and someone who's able to probably coach you, whoever you are, to execute that call at a high level um, because that's not easy. Obviously, I'm working through with a, f a few people personally to do that, but yeah, it's challenging. You know, it's challenging, but listen, it's it's, uh, it's something new. Part of the right race. Yeah, we'll start to wrap things up there. Uh, yeah. so this might be like an hour and a half in. Um, episode three pending. Uh, where can people find out more about you, Chris? Yeah, so what, what I've actually done is I've put together uh, a free course for anyone who is interested on LinkedIn. Um, we will be charging for that course in the future. What I've decided to do is if you're watching this, that you will have free access always. So all you need to do is go to apolloinnercircle.com forward slash Charlie and you will have free access. And basically what that is, is it's a it's a step-by-step -step process on LinkedIn. It's very much uh, how and how things work, an overview on content, connections, lead generation, sales, 
coaching and a general overview. So I would say for most people, even if you, you're not fully sure that LinkedIn is where you want to go, I would say it's worth having a look because then you can disqualify LinkedIn. And something that I would say to anyone who's in business is removing the shiny objects is, is a good option and narrowing down on one thing. So it could be, let me have a look at this and see if LinkedIn is where I want to be. And if it isn't, have a look and disqualify it. On, on the flip side, you may go, this makes really good sense. My demographic are these sort of people. Let me have a look and see. So apolloinnercircle.com forward slash Charlie um, for as long as this podcast is live. Forever. Um, thank you everyone for listening to this. Make sure you leave us a five-star review, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, like, and comment below any questions. And we'll see you next episode soon. Thank you.